I just want to start off by reiterating a few thoughts from our current series uh, to kind of give you an idea. So some of you guys are probably like, man, that dude sure does repeat himself a lot. Uh, the reason I do that is uh, very simply, uh, a lot of people can't make it every week, and so I don't want them to come in and be absolutely lost in what we're talking about. And then the second thing is, is as visitors come, I definitely don't want them to be lost. And uh, thirdly, you know, some of you people may be having a, a senior moment. So, uh, you know, we just try to remind you of those things, okay? So anyways, um, I'm just playing, obviously. So anyways, so we've been talking about a culture of discipleship. So the first thing I want to say today is that we have said that the Bible makes it very clear that God views every Christian as a disciple. Is that true? So in other words, every person that said that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of their life, I, I maybe even want to stretch you. It's not only that he views every one of those people, but he expects every one of those people to be a disciple. Now, we've been using a uh, really simple definition for disciple, but it's this. It's a person who is so closely in relationship with Jesus, or we'll say it this way, so in love with Jesus, that he not only wants to learn his teachings and obey them, but he wants to become like him. It's pretty good, isn't it? So let's uh, sit on that definition really quick, just once again, kind of reiterate a few thoughts. The first part of that definition says this. A disciple is a person that is in a close relationship with Jesus. The, the last thing I want you to, or the thing I don't want you to miss in all this, is the bottom of the line, bottom line God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. That supersedes everything. Amen? So basically as a disciple, he has invited us to know him in an intimate way. He's given us access to all that he is and all that he has. He's invited us to do life with him. He's invited us to do life in his presence. We should, as, as children, as sons and daughters of God, we should live in the presence of God. The presence of God shouldn't be foreign to us because we've been invited to live there. Amen? So the second part of that definition is this, is the disciple learns Jesus' teachings and obeys them. Listen to Matthew eleven twenty nine. This is Jesus talking. He said, take my yoke. Now, if you know anything, once again, about Jewish tradition, that word yoke is actually the word teaching. So he's saying, take my teachings upon you and learn from me. And then he says this, talking about the obedience part in John fourteen twenty three. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep or he will obey. Somebody say obey. That he will obey my word or obey my teaching. So how much of the Bible uh, should we try to obey percentage wise? All of it. Do we? <laughs> no, we fall short all the time, right? Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, a, a lot of, I, I won't pick on you because I'm not talking about you here, but a lot of Christians are kind of like this. Let me give you an example, okay, of what happened in my life recently. Uh, every night in our house, uh, we, we, we put our kids to bed. In other words, so we, we go to their room individually and we kiss them, hug them, pray for them, talk to them, listen to some last-ditch effort to stay up later, whatever it is, right? And so uh, the other night, um, I was downstairs, and my oldest was screaming, Dad, come to my room first. Dad, come to my room first. I'm like, okay, that's abnormal, but whatever. And she's just hollering, right? So I come up the steps, and, and, I, and I'm trying to decide, okay, do it. All right, whatever, I'll do it. So I go through the door, and as soon as I take two steps in the door, there's number two, right? The number two child sitting right there on a beanbag, and he just kneecaps me with a lightsaber. Right. I mean, wow. I mean, I had like a flashback of Nancy Carrington. Anybody remember who Nancy Carrington is? So Tanya Harding. Anyways. All right. So anyways, so got cracked in the kneecap. And I was like, oh, right. I mean, he got he like really got me good. Right. And so uh, I remember I said, what did you do that for? Here's what here was his response. Dad, the Bible says to honor your mother. And I said, and father. Right. 
But I thought, man, immediately I thought, man, how, how much is that like Christians? I know he was laughing and playing. They were just cracking up. But the bottom line is how many of us pick and choose what we believe, what we want to obey, right? Just like in that little goofy moment right there. But listen, at the end of the day, as disciples, uh, we can't pick and choose what parts of the Bible we obey. Are we going to get it right all the time? No, we're not. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for grace. You, you know, especially, you know, come to mind that scripture in Lamentation says his mercies are new every morning. So great. Now, I love a, a pastor told me one time, uh, he said, Quentin, you know what that's like? He said, it's like standing up underneath a waterfall. The same drop never hits you twice. Really good. That's the mercies of God. Thankful for that. Right. So anyways, we, we, we may not get it right all the time, but that should be what we're striving for. Yes. That was a good place to say yes. There you go. All right. So listen, the last part there, and we keep reiterating this, but a disciple wants to become like Jesus. And, uh, you know, first Peter two twenty one says this says Jesus left us an example that we should follow in his steps, his steps, his steps, not a pastor's steps, but Jesus steps. Right. Not somebody that you just admire, but, but his steps. And then it says in Ephesians five one, it says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. So we've been saying again and again and again, and once again, I don't want, I don't want this to, to supersede relationship, but it happens through relationship. But the goal for discipleship uh, is basically for us to become more like Jesus. Yes? So once again, the way we become more like Jesus is by daily. Can somebody say daily? It's by daily cultivating our relationship with him through reading the Bible, through our own prayer time, and through our own private worship. Uh, this is how we grow in our walk with God. Is that true? All right, now watch this. Those three things, okay? Let, let me kind of give you another example of something that happened in my house recently, all right? And uh, by the way, don't, don't, don't tell my kids I'm saying this because they'll be all embarrassed, all right? I try to stay away from telling stories about my kids, but these were too good. So I was like, okay, I'm going to share them. So uh, my daughter is um, like mini mom, okay? She's, she's great with the other kids for the most part, big help. Um, anyways, there, there's times where mom's gone that this old guy leans on that, that, that little girl a lot. Okay. So the other day mom was at worship practice and, uh, anyway, so I was on duty and it came time basically to put the baby to bed. So I'm changing the baby and all that. And I asked my daughter, Hey, Hey, can you, can you uh, get a bottle ready? So I'm in there and I'm changing the diaper and she screams, dad, I can't find it. Blah, blah, blah. A few minutes later, I got it. Uh, but it's dirty. I said, you need to wash it. So she's in there and she's washing it. And then she, then she comes in and she brings me the bottle and, uh, and the, the milk is looking like super watered down. So I'm looking at it and I said, what did you do? And she said, well, I couldn't find the, what do you call that stuff? See, I'm doing too good on duty. Scoop. <laughs> that was awesome. All right. So, um, Whatever, that baby stuff that comes out of the powder that makes milk. My mind's going absolutely blank. Formula, thank you. Pray for my wife. All right, here we go. So anyway, so she said, I couldn't find that. So dad just put water in with the milk. All right, fair enough. We'll see if it works. So not good at this, right? I didn't want to waste the milk that we already had. And how can you divide the water and the milk? I'm, you know, that's me. Anyway, so I'm cheap. So anyways, so I go in there and I, and I give, the, give the bottle to the baby and the baby takes a sip and, like, literally just throws it out of his mouth, right? And I'm like, what's your problem, dude? You know, because he's got a little attitude. Even at, you know, almost 11 months, he has an attitude, right? Fallen nature. All right, so anyways, so I grab the bottle, put it back in his mouth. He takes another sweep, does the same thing. I'm like, whatever, dude, work it out. 
tell you, y'all pray for me, right? So it's kind of embarrassing. All right. So anyways, so I just shut the door. Well, you can cry. Do what you do. Listen, it's number four, not number one. All right. Look, the first one, I've been holding it, walking, praying in the spirit, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. But it's number four. He'll live. All right. So. I, you know, I figured, look, you, you got, you got a little bit of time and, and, you know, whatever. If you go to sleep, then, then we'll do it. So anyways, so I give it about 15 minutes and he is just like, he likes to eat. So he's just screaming. Yeah. I mean, he's letting, he's letting me have it. You know, he'd give me the business. So I said, fine. All right. I'll go in there. So I grab the bottle, try to give it to him again. Don't want it. So I take the bottle and I said, let me just see what this tastes like. I open the bottle, y'all, and I take a, I take this, a sip of it, and I'm like, I mean, I literally about threw up. Okay, literally, no joke, about threw up. Because it had a great combination of three things. Milk, water, and soap. <laughs> Not winning the dad of the year award. All right, here we go. So, so, I mean, literally, it was just, it took me, I don't know, probably a few hours to get like the soap filling out of my gut. Remind me of a kid, you know, my mom made me, Wash my mouth out. Was anybody ever been there? When you say something, your mom makes you wash your mouth out with soap. God, that was evil. All right, here we go. So, anyways, so here's what I thought about when that happened. Okay, um, Peter says this. It says that we should desire pure spiritual milk so that we may grow. Yes, I'm trying to make this spiritual. Y'all work with me, okay? So, but the word pure, what's the word pure? It means it's untainted, right? It's not watered down, doesn't have soap in it. Bottom line, it is pure, it's good to go. That is the word of God. Yes? And so, but the bottom line is so that we may grow. But so as believers, we gotta ask ourselves if we wanna grow, uh, what are we, what are we watering down our own I don't know. What are we watering down so we're not really growing the way God wants us to grow? We water it down by making excuses. We water it down by only reading the parts we like. All those things are by mixing it with other people's opinions and all those things. The bottom line, the word of God is pure. It's right. It's truth. And we need to, we need to drink it, if you will, as much as we can so we can grow. The word grow actually means so we can mature. Is that okay? So listen, I've always believed this, okay? Thanks for letting me have fun today. But I've always believed this, that no one... Uh, should care more about my spiritual growth and my spiritual development than me. Let me say that again. I'm getting some looks. That, that no one should care more about my spiritual growth and my spiritual development than me. In other words, it's this. Over the last, whatever, almost 20 years that I've been in ministry, I have found, I have found husbands that care more about their spiritual, about their wife's spiritual growth than their wives do themselves. Are you, are you, am I making sense there? All right. And I've met, I've met a many of women that have cared more about their husband's spiritual growth than their husbands do. I, you know, definitely being in youth ministry as long as I was, uh, you know, I have met a multitude of parents that want to see their kids grow. And, and you know, it's amazing that even this, this is what came to my mind this morning. They would go and they would drop a few hundred dollars to send their kids to camp. And we would take their kid to camp. And, you know, what are about 80% of them be getting rocked by the Holy Ghost. And, and in the middle of, of just kids getting just blasted by God, you'd have a kid just kind of standing there. And the reason is because they didn't care about their own spiritual growth. Their mom paid in hopes that something would happen. And sometimes those kids would get rocked. Uh, but at other times, just simply because of their own heart, they didn't want to go there. Once again, it goes to the free will thing. They wouldn't ever progress. Am I making sense? So when it comes to you and I, guess what? You have to care about your spiritual growth more than anybody else. And the reason is, is, is because this is because you're the only one that can do something about it. 
That's why, that's why it's called a personal relationship. So I can't depend upon this person. I can't depend upon that person. I've got to go get God for myself. Amen. All right, so last week we did this. We're almost done with the review, and then we'll get going for today. But last week we asked this. We asked, uh, why are we seeking God? Why am I seeking God? And then we gave the question of this. Am I seeking God for the same reason he wants to be found? Then we broke it down a little bit more. Am I reading the Bible for the same reason he wants me to read the Bible? Am I worshiping for the same reason he wants me to worship? Am I praying for the same reason he wants me to pray? Those are really valid questions, I think. Wouldn't you agree? So we begin to answer the first one of, of this is why does God want us to read the Bible? Obviously, he gave us this awesome book uh, that's full of his heart and truth. Why does he want us to read it? The first reason that we gave was this is because God wants us to know him. Bottom line, he doesn't want us to be confused. He doesn't want us to be left at the mercy of the opinions of other people. But he wants us to read the Bible for ourselves so that we can know his heart, so we can know his character, so we can know his nature, so we can know his ways, so we can know his will. Is that true? It's very true. All right. So today I want to give you the second reason that God wants us to read the Bible. Okay. If you have your if you have your Bible, please turn to John chapter one. John chapter one. If you don't have your Bible, please bring your Bible. If you don't take notes, please take notes. Uh, and the reason I say that, bottom line is, is I think if you just hear a sermon, you remember 7%. If you write it down, it goes to like 30-something percent. So it just it, it helps you, okay? It's definitely not to make me feel better. It's just to help you to grow better, okay? Once again, that comes back to the thing of nobody's going to care about your spiritual growth more than you, Okay? All right, John chapter 1, verse 19. If you're there, say, oh, yeah. All right. It says, now this is the testimony of John. Somebody say testimony. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, we're talking about John the Baptist, they say, who are you? It says, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So obviously they were wondering if he was the Christ. And he said, look, I'm not him. Verse 21, it says, and they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? And then watch this question. They said, what do you say about yourself? Watch how he answered it. He said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, notice John didn't answer that question by saying this. You know, fellas, look, my family's always said this about me. He didn't answer it this way. You know, my, my, uh, my friends have always said I'm like this. He didn't even say, you know what, uh, people at school, people at work, they've always labeled me like this. And he didn't even answer the question in this way. When they said, who do you say you are? He didn't say, you know what, I've always thought this about myself. How did he respond to the question, what do you say about yourself or who are you? How did he respond to that? All he did was repeat what the word of God already said about him. Am I right? So watch this. So here's John. All he did when they asked that question, he repeated a prophecy that was spoken about him by the prophet Isaiah 430 years prior to him being born. And here's the here's the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40, verses three through five. It says this it says the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the desert a highway Make straight in the desert, sorry, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and rough places smooth. 
It says, The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What an awesome verse, huh? So here they are. They ask him, who are you? And he goes all the way back to what he knew in his own heart, what God spoke to him for, about him 430 years prior. And he said, basically, I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. So here's the point is that John didn't allow the opinions of others to define him. He didn't allow the opinions of others to tell him who he was. He let the word of God define him and he let the word of God tell him who he was. Are you all with me today? So the second reason, it's very simple, that God wants us to read the Bible is because of this. Number two is he wants us to know our identity in him. He wants us to know our identity in him. Now, do me a favor, okay? I know that seems small, but actually it's really huge. Yes, it's really huge. So he wants us to know our, our identity in him. So let me ask you this morning the same question that John the Baptist was asked. What do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? In the initial response, because we all have these initial responses, don't we? And then we think about it and we, and we try to clean it up a little bit so it sounds a little better and more spiritual. Yes? So, but let me ask you a question. If somebody said, hey, what do you say about yourself? Do you just repeat what your dad used to say about you? Do you repeat what your mom used to say about you? If you're a parent in here and you haven't done it right, do you just repeat what your kids have said about you? That's a real quick way to get under condemnation because nobody does it 100%. Yes? Listen, do you define yourself by your past mistakes? Do you define yourself by your weaknesses? Or do you define yourself by the things that the devil whispers in your ear? Because he talks to all of us if we want to admit it or not. Or do we, watch this, because it's not always just in the bad stuff, but do we define ourselves by our gifts and talents? Because we can do that too. We can define ourselves by what the, the, the good qualities about us. Or, or do we define ourselves by our social status or maybe our lack thereof? What do we, what do we as, as God's children, how do we define ourselves? Once again, our identity should never be based off what other people say. It shouldn't be based off what the devil says about us. And it shouldn't even be based off what we think about ourselves. But it should be based off what? What the Word of God says about us. Amen? So let me ask you this really quick. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Let me give you a forewarning here. Um, I went overboard this morning. All right? What I'm about to tell you, I went overboard. But the truth is we could have went a lot further. But I really wanted you guys to hear something today. Because, um, here, let me just make it personal. Um, all right, so I, got, so I gave my life to Jesus, like I've told you guys many times. Basically, senior year of high school, really didn't have a clue till about whatever, but pretty much a few months out of high school about, man, this is really what the kingdom of God's about. And that's when I started establishing a relationship with him. Well, I probably spent, I don't know, 10, 15 years in Christianity. I've almost been saved 20, 20 years. I spent a long time uh, answering that question of who do you say you are or what do you say about yourself by what other people said. Fair enough? So, you know, even, even this thought, let, let, me give you, let, me, let me give you a thought here. Um, a lot of us answer that question based off, based off of our insecurities. And if we really stop and look at the Bible... We would understand the insecurities entered this world when? At the fall. So they're not of God. Yes? And so I personally spent many years uh, basically defining myself 
and, and beating up myself and torturing myself in a lot of ways by my weaknesses and by my insecurities. It, it wasn't until I began to get a hold of what God said about me did the boat start really turn and did we really start to be effective in the kingdom. Are you all with me today? All right. So today, really what I want to ask you, and once again, I am going overboard with this, so I'll admit it. But, but do you really believe God's heart toward you? God's heart. God's heart. So many times we, we, we picture God as just uh, this distant God that's cold, that's, that wants to drop the hammer, uh, you know, that's just waiting for you to mess up. And, and all that is so inaccurate because, unfortunately, that's what's been preached again and again and again and again and again. The bottom line is, is God's a good dad, right? Even, even if you look in Luke chapter 11, when the disciples said, teach us how we ought to pray, what do you start off with? Our Father. That that father is a personal title because he wanted us to see that God's a relational God, that he's a good dad. And the bottom line is, is look, some of you guys may have a a dad like me that uh, you can't compare God to in any way. Okay, so don't make that mistake because we're talking about a perfect father. All right. And even if I can, we talked about last week about misconceptions of God. Uh, you know, we talked about sickness and tragedy and all those things. Bottom line, if you if you want to get an idea of who God is, are you okay? That I'm taking a rabbit trail here. If, if good, because I wasn't going to stop. And so, uh, if you if you take it, take a moment and go, okay, who is God? What's He like? The bottom line, look at your heart towards your own children. If you have kids, do you want to do? Do you wish to do evil to your kids? Okay, so. Uh, you know, listen, remember what, what Jesus said in Luke 11. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does your father? In other words, how much more does he do it better? Okay, so we got a good dad. Okay, we got a really good dad. We don't wish sickness upon our kids. We don't wish tragedy upon our kids. Those are things that we fight the devil, right, for our kids. We stand in the gap and we do war on their behalf the same way God does that with us. Amen. All right, so do we really believe God's heart toward us? Do we, do we believe what he says about our identity in him? So let, let me give you a run of 25 verses here. But do you believe him, do you believe God when he said in Genesis 126 that he loved you enough to create you in his own image? Do you believe him when he said in one, one, uh, Psalms 139 verse 14 that you were fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you believe Jeremiah 1.5 that says before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. Before you were born, he set you apart and appointed you to do great things. Do you believe Ephesians 2.10 that says that you are his work of art and that you have been created for good works? Do you believe John 1.12 that says that the moment that you gave your life to Jesus, the moment you received him, he gave you a right to become his child? Do you believe Romans 8.17 that says because you are his child... You're a joint heir with Christ. Do you believe 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says that you know, your past is forgiven? Bottom line, guys, that all that sin was thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. They separate as far as from the east from the west. Do you really believe that in him you are a new creation? Do you believe in Romans 6.6 6 when he said that, his power, uh, that by his power you are no longer a slave to sin? Do you believe 2 Corinthians 5.21 that says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? How about Ephesians 1.4 that says that you are holy and blameless in his sight? Maybe Maybe not somebody else's, but his sight you are. Do you believe Second Timothy one seventeen when he says that he didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a what? A sound mind. Do you believe First Corinthians three sixteen that says his spirit dwells within you? What kind of spirit is that? Romans eight eleven says it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that that dwells within you. Do you believe Isaiah forty one nine when he said that he has chosen you and he has not rejected you? 
in spite of your past. Amen. Do you believe John 15, 15 when he says he now calls you a friend? How about 1 Peter 2, 9 when he says you are chosen a royal priesthood, part of a holy nation, belonging to him, that you are that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light? Do you believe Ephesians 1, 3 when he said that he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing? How about Romans 8, 31 that says that if he is for you, who can be against you? How about Romans 8, 39 says if he didn't even spare his own son, if he sent Jesus to the cross for you, how much more would he also freely give you all things? How about Romans 8, 39 that says nothing can separate us from what? His love, right? The love of God. How about Romans 8.37 that says you are more than a conqueror through him? How about Second Corinthians 5.20 that you are his ambassador? How about Revelation 12.11 that you are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony? Almost done. How about John 1, uh, 1 John 4, 4? It says that he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. How about Philippians 4, 13? We all know it. Therefore, in Christ, we can do all things, right? Do we believe that? Do we believe God's heart toward us? Do you believe this morning? Please listen. Do you believe this morning that you were so valuable to him that he looked past your dirt and saw the gold that was within you? Because we all got it, gang. Right. Listen, do we realize let me let me say with this. Do we realize this morning that the value of something is the in other words, the value of something is based off how much we pay for it. Right. So, in other words, if I came to you and I said, hey, what's the value of your house? Well, I paid this much for it. If I say, hey, what's the value of your car? Well, I paid this much for you. How about your shoes you got? Well, I paid this much for you. Let me ask you this morning. What's the value? What's the price of the blood of God? It's priceless. But watch. The Bible says that he bought you with what? He purchased you with his blood. So the bottom line is, is how much are you worth? Priceless. Literally, the value of your life is, is worth, the value of that is the blood of God. Amen? But yet we sit back and, and, and do what? We, we, we live as if we're some kind of peasant that we're just hoping that we can somehow that a crumb will fall off the king's table and we can kind of hopefully pick it up and eat it really fast and sneak back to the corner. Gang, the bottom line is, is Jesus died and shed his blood and rose again so that you and I would have a rightful place at the Father's table. Watch this. As loved, as valued, as accepted sons and daughters of God. Amen? If I was Church of God, I'd probably run around the room right then. Listen to what First John 3, 1, 2. I'm, I'm, it's, listen, guys, it's okay to have fun in church. Jesus did create us with a sense of humor, all right? First John 3, 1, 2, read this. It says, how great is the love of the Father. It says, how great is the love the Father has continually, uh, that's what it means in the Greek, continually lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. It says, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Verse 2, dear children, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know what when we, 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 la, 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 la. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Key part, how great is his love that he has lavished on us. You know, you know, part of my own life lately, what I've been reminding myself, I've been meeting with Miss Vicky. She's been helping me out. She's been trying to fix your pastor. I'm just kidding. No, she's been helping me a lot. That was a joke. It was a joke. So watch this. So part of what we've been talking about, man, I've taken that word lavish there and just even the first three letters. And I keep praying almost on a daily basis. Father, I thank you that I'm ill, that I am loved. 
that, hey, Father, I thank you that I'm accepted and I've been approved of by you. And that, B, God, I thank you that I'm valued in you. And I keep, I keep praying that scripture. God, I thank you that you've lavished your love upon me. Because the bottom line is, is I need to know how he sees me. Yes? Because I don't know about you, because I didn't grow up in a house where I felt like all those three things were in action. And so when I came into the kingdom, once again, I had to reprogram my mind. That's what the word of God does, right? It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will, what, know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So I've reprogrammed my mind by what the word of God says about me so I can see him different and so I can see me different. And it changes everything. Amen? All right, so let's do this real fast. You're going to get out of church really early today. You're going to be everybody to the buffet if we had those around here. They're all closed down for the winter. All right, here we go. I've never in my life lived somewhere where they close something down because of the season. I, whatever. Anyways, you want to go eat there? Nope, it's closed. All right. I guess I'll understand really soon. All right, here we go. So let's talk real fast, and, and we'll get out of here, about why is it so important for you and I to know what God's Word says about us? Because this is huge, okay? First one is this. It's because our destiny is connected to our identity. Our destiny is connected to our identity. Let me give you a biblical example. We already said it. Uh, John the Baptist. Right? Once again, who are you? What do you do? He quoted his identity that was found in the Word of God, once again, 430 years prior. So either way you want to look at it, 430 years ago uh, before that, or when the angel came to Zacharias, his father, and spoke, but that plan went into action. Amen? Yes? Even let, let, me, let me even help you out this morning. We'll stay away from that. Watch this. We could just, let me go quick. We could use Jeremiah's example of that. Read Jeremiah chapter 1. Once again, God spoke to him, I have appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Bottom line is somewhere along the line, God has spoken something about you. You just got to go seek him and go, God, what is it? What's my, what is my destiny attached to? Where's it at in my identity? If you stop and you look at basically the giftings that God's given you and even some of the giftings that you haven't even opened your heart up to yet, those giftings are there uh, basically for you to fulfill your destiny, not for your own self but for his glory and for his honor amen yes that's why we live so let me uh, maybe just ask you this if we don't know who god is and who we are in him how will we ever have enough confidence to step out and do anything for his kingdom that's truth right L- listen i quoted real fast earlier second corinthians chapter five But it says this, it says there that God is giving every one of us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, every one of us. Every one of us in this place has been given a ministry by God, a ministry of reconciliation. What is that? What's reconciliation? That he would reconcile the world to himself. So now that, now that you are saved, now that you walk with God, you are now co-laboring with God in that effort. To do what? To implore, what it says, to implore people on his behalf to get right with him. Is that true? Okay. Now watch this. It uses a, ver- a word in there that tells you who you are. It's this, ambassador. He has made you his ambassador. Now I don't know if you know who an ambassador is or whatever, but, but ambassador is simply this. Uh, every nation has one. We have them. America has ambassadors literally that are all around the world, and, and they are at... The embassy, thank you. 
I got buddies that go to them all the time, and I can't. Man, I'm, I'm on it this morning. So anyway, so the, that are literally at embassies. Every so every king has them, every prime minister has them, uh, every president has ambassadors. Now, what an ambassador is, or someone who is sent, someone who is go forth, and at the end of the day, listen, they may not. Uh, be the king, they may not be the president, they may not be the prime minister, but in that location they have the same amount of authority that the king or the president or the prime minister has. So here's God. He has put his spirit in you and he has sent you out as his ambassador and he has given you authority. Amen? Now watch this. So when I go and I lay hands on somebody and I pray, I don't do that in my own authority and my own power. When I go and I tell someone about Jesus, I don't do that in my own authority or my own power. But I realize at that moment when I open my mouth and I begin to release the promises of God at that moment, all authority and all of heaven backs me up in that moment. Are you all following me today? Yes. So listen, when you go around this world, listen, you're not just some, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. You know, God loves you. Listen, y'all, we need people who know who they are in Christ in this region so people can hear the truth. Bottom line, watch this. Understand this. God will never send you somewhere that he hasn't already paved the way before you. So when he prompts you in your heart and your heart starts pounding, you go, i got to say something. Don't be afraid in that moment. Understand, authority of heaven is backing you up. All i got to do is open my mouth and watch God fill it, and he'll do the rest. Bottom line is, guess what? I can't save anybody. I can't heal anybody. We can't deliver anybody, but he sure can. All he's looking for is available, willing vessel. And I'll say, yes, Lord, I'll be that guy. Amen? All right, number two, second reason we need, it's important that we know our identity is because the enemy wants to derail your destiny. The enemy wants to derail your destiny. One of the devil's favorite questions is this, is did God really say? Did God really say? Listen, the devil loves, loves, loves to get you to doubt God's will for your life. He loves to get you to doubt God's heart for you, God's love for you. He loves to get you to doubt God's character and his nature. If you don't believe me, just ask Adam and Eve, right? What did he say? Listen, he's good at this. The very first way he went, did God really say? He got them on their heels, questioning God. They didn't have an answer. And guess what? The, the rest is history, right? Right? I'm looking quiet on me today. So listen, the enemy stops us from fulfilling, from fulfilling our destiny by getting us to doubt our God-given identity. Let me, let me show you this. If you've got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 4. I'm sorry, not Luke 4. I apologize. Matthew. I wrote down the wrong thing there. Matthew, hold on, I'll tell you. Matthew 4. It's in Luke 4 as well, but, but I like the way Matthew reads better. Matthew 4. Verses 1 through 7. We're going to read that. All right, here we go. It says this. Remember, we're talking about identity and, and, the, and the enemy getting you to question your identity. So here's Jesus, right? We all know. Let me set this up. Chapter 4. He's about to go through the temptations. Uh, we, you know, we know from a theological standpoint, it's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Same thing that uh, basically Adam and Eve dropped the ball alone. The second Adam or the last Adam came to redeem us from. Okay. So it says in verse 4, I mean, uh, chapter 4, it says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Verse 3, now when the tempter came to him, he said, watch this, if you are the Son of God. The first place that he tempted, the, tempted Jesus on, he, it was to try to get him to question his identity. If you are the Son of God, what does it say? Command, the, command that these stones uh, become bread. It says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he said to him, once again, verse 6, if you are the Son of God, identity, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Notice that as he tried to get him to question his identity, it was getting him to question basically God's favor upon his life and what God would do for him. Correct? Is that true? In other words, it's this. Man, use your power and turn these things into, into uh, bread. Bottom line was he's saying that, you know what, because, because if you don't know your identity, at the end of the day, guess what? You'll try to do it on your own. You'll try to provide for yourself instead of let God provide for you. Are you all following me? So all this stuff is so connected. And so really what I want us to see is this, is, that, is if he did that with Jesus, who is part of the Trinity, if he will do that with Jesus, we can guarantee that he'll do it with us. So to understand with the, when the devil comes and he begins to whisper in your ear, when the first place he's going to come, yes, he's going to try to throw condemnation and stuff from the past, but also at the same time he's going to get you to question your identity. And it can even be this simple, gang, and hopefully you're okay with, with me today, but it simply can be this, that you haven't really been forgiven. It can, it, it's really that simple. The bottom line is, is, no, I have been forgiven. I have been. Jesus' blood is powerful enough to cleanse me. Amen. So watch this. So the bottom line is, is you can bet your bottom dollar that if you don't know your identity, he will give you one. He will. He'll come and place one on you. And here, I'll, be, I'll just say it like it is. Um, you know, it's not just working with youth. I, I've seen it more. You know, once again, I've been in youth ministry. I was in youth ministry for like, I don't know, 16, 17, 18 years, whatever it was. And in the last probably three years, we dealt with homosexuality more than we dealt with, more than we dealt with all the previous years before. And, and, uh, and, I mean, a wide variety of different reasons of why people bought into that. But at the end of the day, you know, here's uh, 3% of our nation is probably growing, okay, especially among young people. At the end of the day, because they don't know their identity in him, they're, the devil's giving them one. It says they're, they're gay, they're lesbian, they're whatever. Are, are you all hearing me this morning? So, so there's you. If you, want a, if you want a focal point, there is the devil attacking a generation by that lie, and because they don't know their identity in, in him, guess what? The devil's giving them ad- identity. All right, so let me encourage you in this really fast, okay? Um, Jesus taught us this. He said that the devil is the father of what? Father of what? Talk to me. Father of lies, okay? So if Jesus is right, and he always is, if, if the devil is the father of lies, then that means that the devil does not have the ability to tell the truth. So next time, once again, this is to encourage you. The next time he comes to you and does what he does, at the end of the day, be smart enough and wise enough and, and knowledgeable about the word of God enough to know at that moment all you have to do is flip it, tell him thank you, because he's telling you actually the opposite. And just say thanks for reminding me for who I really am. 
Because here's the thing. Once again, he's coming. He's going to tell you the lie. It's up to you if you believe it or not. But that moment, if you reverse psychology, you actually know, you know, he's just trying to get me off course. He's trying to rob me of my destiny. Then they just need to flip this and be reminded once again, God said this about me. Now I need to march forward. That, you know, that's reason to celebrate. So don't get all bent out of shape. Don't get all depressed. Don't get all worked up. Just say, appreciate you, man. Move on. We all got to do it, right? Yes? All right. So the last one, number three. We said the first reason was what? That our destiny is connected to our God-given identity. Second one was because the enemy wants to derail our destiny. And the third one is really important. Simple but very important. is so our walk won't be hindered. So our walk, our walk with who? Our walk with God will not be hindered. How, how does our identity affect that? So let me ask you this. How can we pray effectively if we don't know who we are? Seriously, how can we pray effectively? Let me, let me maybe combine last week and this week. How can we pray effectively if we don't know who he is? And how can we pray effectively if we don't know who we are? Because those come together really well. Are, are you all following me today? So watch this. If I, if I don't understand that God is Jehovah Jireh, the provider... Then guess what? Then I'm not, I'm not going to do a few things. And once again, uh, hopefully you guys are getting to know me well enough to know I'm not all about money. But let's just get honest because it's a major part of our lives, right? But if I don't believe God's Jehovah Jireh, then I will never tithe. I'll never give offerings. I'll never, I'll never give away anything. But listen, but when you stop and you realize that the Bible says, and, and I'm not going to give you the reference. I, can't, I don't know it at the moment. But the bottom line that Jesus basically stepped out of basically riches and came to poverty to give us riches. And then he ascended back to heaven, right? When that happened, right, he broke the curse over our lives. It wasn't just the curse of sickness, but it was also the curse of poverty was broken over our lives. At that moment, guess what? We are free from that. Poverty is simply this. It, it, it is the mindset that says, you know what, that I'm fearful of not having something, but I'm fearful of not having enough. And when we're fearful of not having enough and when, when we don't know who God is and that he loves me as his child, that he won't take care of me, then I'll be stingy and greedy with my money. Are you following me? And I'm not saying, listen, I'm definitely not talking about just to the church. It's also to people who come across your path that God sends to you that you have an opportunity to bless. Yes? And it could be in a physical thing. It could be giving them a car. It could be giving them a, uh, a coat. It could be, what you name it, giving them food, going to the grocery store and going, going, you know what, somebody's in line in front of you. They don't have money. I'll pay for that. Right? That's kingdom. Correct? It, it's, it's the bottom line is, is we'll never be generous unless we realize that he was first generous. Are you with me today? So, so, you know, at the same time, listen, if I don't know who I am, once again, I, it, that, uh, you know, once again, that I'm loved, then I'll go, well, I'm sick. Well, I, well, I'm sick. What will be, will be. Instead of going, nope, the Bible says that he is Jehovah Rapha, that he's the healer, the great physician. Well, I'm going to come to him and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray. Guess what? Until that thing manifests in Jesus name. Right. Yes. All right. So let me even go this route. Okay. Talking about, once again, how our walk is hindered. How can we worship God if we really don't know who he is and we really don't know who we are? Am I making sense to you guys today? But how can we really worship him when we don't know who he is? The, the bottom line is this, is if you show me someone that doesn't spend time in prayer, if you show me someone that doesn't worship, I can guarantee you they don't know what the Bible says about God and they don't know what the Bible says about their identity. 
Because at the end of the day, when you realize who God is and you realize who you are in the kingdom, you can't help but to pray and you can't help but to worship. Because your heart is overflowing so much with just amazement and awe of who he is, you want to go to him. Yes? Let let me even help you guys out in this, okay? God is, I've been walking with him long enough to know that God's not just concerned about the big stuff. He's concerned about the little things too. Now, this may sound absolutely crazy for you and uh, or crazy to you, but whatever. Here it is, okay? The other day, I got to go to Fort Fairfield, okay? They ain't much there, all right? I literally had to ask Pastor Mark. It's where Pastor Mark lives. You guys got a Walmart? I, you know, I didn't even know, you know, anyway. I mean, it, yo, we was in the sticks, all right? We, it, it, I thought I was from the sticks. We were in the sticks, all right? So I went, and before we went, I said, uh, I sent Pastor Mark a text. I said, I just want you to know I expect to see a moose before I leave. No pressure, right? And so, um, he, of course, he got all fired up. We went hunting, all right? So we're, we're in this Ford Ranger, and we're driving down some timber roads, and, and literally I'm doing this. God, please let me see a moose. I've never seen one. I'm from Alabama, y'all. We don't have moose. I did get to see a deer in my backyard this morning. That was cool. And, uh, yeah, so that was pretty neat. I took a picture. Anyway, so um, I like I've never seen a deer before. I mean, I've seen hundreds of them. Anyways, so I said, God, I want to see a moose. And, and you know, you're going to think this is funny. But, so I said, uh, well, I worked at Trinity. Holy Ghost, I really want to see a, a moose. <laughs> a few hours went by. I ain't seen a moose yet. Jesus. <laughs> a little more time. Look, God. <laughs> Father, I really, really want to see a moose. We spent probably four hours out there, and we saw, uh, you know, three uh, grouses, partridges. I didn't even know what a partridge in a pear tree was. Now I know. All right? It's a bird. All right. So anyways, so and Pastor Mark shot three of them. All right, here we go. They gave their life for the gospel. So anyway, so we're going down, we're going down, and I'm literally, I'm starting. I don't know if you've ever been at this point, but I'm starting to lose faith. Come on, God. God, I want to see this thing. And And so we... Uh, he goes, I'll tell you what, we, we, I normally go out that way, but let's go down this road. We hang a left. We're not on that road, I don't know, four or five minutes. He goes, I think I just saw one. Like a quarter of a mile standing in the middle of the road. We come, and that big old ugly joker, dumb thing, is standing there. And here's what I thought was so awesome. I'm like, that's my dad. God said, uh, Pastor Mark said, you know, that's the biggest one I've ever seen. So, I did. I, I literally, on the inside, y'all going to think I'm such a dork. I was like, <laughs> and I just kept thinking, Jesus loves me. I, whatever. I, such a dorky moment. But listen, at the end of the day, man, that's how personal he is. That he would go, you want to see one, son? I'll show you one. And what's amazing, literally, that thing took a few steps, three steps in the woods. That big 1,200-pound whatever joker he was, he was gone. So the moment, the window was so small, and I'm like, God, you're good. Yeah? But that's how much he cares about us, right? Now, you can go home today and say the pastor's cracked out. It's fine. All right. So, anyways, all right. If you want to, just stand to your feet, please. Awesome. All right. No need to run. It's okay. We'll wait for you. All right. If you can, just close your eyes. Yeah. Thank you, Lord.
Come on, just open your heart up to Him in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you today that you said that your word does not return void. Thank you, God. Let me start off by saying this today. All those promises that we said, in other words, God's heart toward us, uh, our identity in Him, I want to make something very clear today. Every one of those things are true, but they're also true, uh, if I can say it maybe in a weird way, that, that they come with the word if. If you, Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life, all those things come in operation. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, those things are dormant. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't change his heart towards you. But it means that you don't have access to those things if you're not in his family. So, you know, I, I kind of briefly mentioned it earlier. Um, at the end of the day, listen, gang, it is true, it is true, it is true that Jesus, who is God in the flesh, came to this earth and lived a sinless life. And at the age of 33 years old, he hung upon a cross and he died in our place. He died so our sins could be forgiven. But it wasn't just necessarily so our sins could be forgiven. That's not the main focus. The main focus was as he died so we could be brought back into the family of God. So we could be restored back into our rightful place as sons and daughters. Once again, so we could have a seat at that table with the Father. So, at the, you know, bottom line is, is this, is... Once again, to reiterate, God wants every bit of that for you. His desire is for you to live in the fullness of what he has offered. But you have to make a decision because he gave you a free will to basically step into relationship with him. Just as you yourself can never force someone to have a relationship with you, God's not going to do that with you either. So today, if you have never asked Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, if you've never came to a point and called upon his name, and said, Father, I believe in your son Jesus, that he is the sinless one, that he died in my place. If you, and you don't believe or you've never believed that basically that Jesus rose again, uh, today's a great day to do that. You know, I, I'm pretty convinced in my heart in this moment that there's people that, uh, that have made that decision, but you've also decided to walk away and be your own Lord and do life your own way. And uh, the bottom line is, is uh, that's being backslidden. And you need to come home to him today. And what the great thing is, is that God will forgive you too. And he'll put you back in rightful place, right back in his family, uh, just as if nothing ever happened. So today, if you're here with all eyes closed, and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, or if you've walked away from him and you need to come back home, lift both hands, please. Come on, lift both hands. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, he loves you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Come on, he's here, gang. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Second thing I want to ask you today is if if you know that you know that you've been living below the standard of your identity in Him and you need God to reveal who you are in Him 
uh, almost afresh in you today. If you need to get, if you need to really get a hold of that and begin to walk in that, lift both hands, please. Amen. 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 Good deal. With all eyes closed, here's what here's what I'm going to do. There's several people that raised their hands for the first one. Um, I'm a personal kind of guy, so I rather. Basically, in a minute when we dismiss, um, I want you to come down to the altar, and we're just going to take a few minutes, and we're going to pray for you, so we can get to know you personally, and kind of pray with you specifically, and uh, maybe even explain, hey, here's what here's what's going on in your heart. Here's what it really means to be born again. Fair enough. So please, I'm going to ask you to in a, in a moment when we when we break, um, you know, don't don't uh, run out the door. Uh, become and let's seal the deal. Okay, have courage there. All right. So one more time, if everybody can, let's lift your hands because bottom line is we all need it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All you're doing really by lifting your hands. I know that may be weird to some of you guys, but it's just simply, uh, you know, I've talked about my kids some, but really it's just, Dad, pick me up. Dad, here I am. Got to open my heart up. Now, granted, the Bible says to lift holy hands unto the Lord. But it's just putting yourself in a position of honoring Him. It's putting yourself in a position to be opened up to Him. So, Father, today I just pray for your children. Father, I pray today, God, that they would recognize, God, in a greater way that you have lavished your love upon them. Father, I thank you today, God, that they would know that they would know that they would know that they are loved. God, that they would know that they know that they would know, God, that they are accepted by you. God, and that they have true value, God, to you in your heart. Father, you know, it's, I know it's so easy to go, but God, there's so many people. But Lord, you're so personal. You want to be every one of our father. God, you want to be our daddy. So, Father, thank you today for coming and loving upon us in a way that only you can. Father, there's no doubt that there's people in here today that have made poor choices and bad decisions. Father, we thank you today, God, for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Father, today we just break off, God, every weight, God, every sin, God, every bit of condemnation. Father, every bit of guilt, every bit of shame, God, we break it off of them today. Father, we thank you that today is a new day. God, just as we said earlier, your mercies are new every morning, but your compassions never fail. So, Father, today, Lord, we just pray. God, that every one of those people that have been feeling that weight, have been listening to the lies of the enemy, that today would be a day of repentance and a day where they turn back to you. And God, just go, Lord, here I am. Here I am. And Father, we thank you that your word says when we confess our sins, God, that you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, today we just thank you for just renewed and restored identity in who we are in you. Father, let us have a revelation. Literally, the lies of the enemy would be broken. And, Father, all those verses that we read earlier, and, God, the many more that are found from Genesis to Revelation, God, help us to begin to get a hold of those things with all of our heart and say, Yes, God, I believe that. Yes, God, I believe that. Yes, God, I believe that. God, that we begin to operate as sons. We begin to operate as daughters. That we would live from that position. Father, we thank you for that today. God, we thank you for life change. God, we thank you for just coming today and just course correction. Just course correction, God, of of where we need to go. Father, thank you for just giving us a greater revelation of who you are and a greater revelation of who we are in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.